We are happy for the Miami Heat because their jerseys have the drip. I mean, it's tough losing to a team that doesn't have a name. Because uh, I'll tell you right now, hand to the Bible, I'm not taking a tight end in the first round. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. Made it to a Thursday again. The week's almost over. Uh, as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Justin Wright. Hello, everybody. By the way, Jared, Thursday is my end of the week. We go Monday through Thursday at my school. All right. So most people are not quite done with their week yet. Justin is just getting <laughs> done with his week. And uh, on this episode, we have another guest for you guys. It's our good college buddy, Patrick Greeley, all the way from Seattle, Washington. Woo! Patrick, how's it going? Good, Jared. Justin, thank you very much for uh, having me. I'm, I, you know, I sound like a broken record. I've told you guys before the show started recording, but I'm, I'm very psyched to be here. I'm, I'm a big fan. I, you could say I'm a, I'm an expansion buddy uh, groupie, if you will. So <laughs> I'm very excited to be here and uh, be with the, the celebs on the show. <laughs> celebs, that's a, uh, oh, you're buttering us up early on this one. Oh. He must have some hot takes that are going to really like go against the grain. You oh, know, scorching. You know, Patrick is actually he's he's not an expansion buddy groupie. He's an honorary expansion buddy. He's a Seahawks fan just like me. So, he's in the OGs like us. I will say we've had what two two other Seahawks fans on now. I need to find some Buccaneers fans, but uh I don't know any. Well, if you to feel a little lopsided here. If you ever find one, let us know. Oh. <laughs> Oh, there should be plenty of bandwagoners right now, so. Hey, man, three and one. Uh, it's not quite as good as 4-0, but it's not bad. No, but I'll take what I can get. I'm not going to get into that because I do actually want to talk football later. We'll get to football later. We'll get to football. You know, believe it or not, the reason we have Patrick on is not because he's a Seahawks fan, but actually because he's a huge basketball fan. He's probably the biggest basketball fan I know. Patrick, just tell us how you got into basketball, man. Yeah, so I've uh... – I'm kind of the classic uh, model. I, I, you know, I just grew up playing. I, um, you know, prior to the Sonics leaving, I was a big uh, Sonics fan. I, Gary Payton was kind of my first favorite player. Uh, and then, you know, transitioned to the Ray Allen, Richard Lewis era. Um, and then unfortunately, obviously in 2008, we lost the Sonics to Oklahoma city. And I know there's a lot of people in Seattle who kind of abandoned their love for the basketball, which I completely understand. But I remained uh, very, very passionate, I guess, that borders on uh, nerdy and borderline psychotic, just looking up uh, NBA draft stuff and any NBA article I can find, memorizing statistics. Uh, this is also kind of humorous, but I attempted to take statistics as a freshman in high school because I thought statistics was strictly sports statistics. <laughs> and my guidance counselor immediately shut that down because she was like, all right, you two plus two. And I tried to argue with six. So <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I remained a huge basketball fan. And to this day, you know, for, unfortunately I am a, a Knicks bandwagoner, I guess you could say. And uh, that's for a couple of other different reasons, which has been a very, very poor choice on my end. So I was going to say, did, did Knicks bandwagoners exist? I didn't think that was a thing. I think I'm starting the bandwagon for Knicks bandwagoners to jump on that bandwagon um, because it's a good time. It's like buying a house when the housing market crashed where it's going to be really cheap uh, <laughs> and it can only go up from here. But unfortunately, somehow the Knicks find a way to plateau and crash. And I'm like, there's no way they can, you know, you know, go any lower. 
and then someone tosses them a shovel and they dig a little deeper. So <laughs> it has been a very, very unfortunate ride uh, jumping on that bandwagon. But if anyone out there is interested, you know, we're always taking, uh, we're always taking applicants. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you heard it here first. Any Knicks fans listening to us, you're not <laughs> alone out there. You're not alone. Uh, speaking of Seattle basketball, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the Seattle Storm winning that WNBA championship. Yeah, They're that's third. exciting. Fourth one now for them, man. Sue Bird is a beast. Sue oh. Bird, there's, a, there's an argument to be made. She is the greatest women's basketball player of all time, I think. I think that's four championships for her. I mean, and she's 40 right now. She doesn't Holy look cow. at the way she was playing. I I'm almost I'm speechless. You know the the, the what uh, the storm have done for Seattle with freaking basketball, uh, professional basketball, the level that they have is just amazing. I'm so proud of them to bring another championship to the Seattle uh, trophy case. And man, I you know there's not much to say other than Sue Bird. I think is entering that grace of all time conversation, and I, she already had a place there. But I think she's uh, really really uh, established herself. She's pretty well cemented at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Her and Brianna Stort, man. I mean, just the whole team, but they're they're just, they're animals. I I did catch a little bit of their game three the other night when they finished off the sweep against the Aces. They're just so good, man. They're just so good. (laughs) Yeah. And Brianna Stort, especially, you know, after tearing her Achilles, I think it was last year and just coming back, like, you know, unbelievable, just dominating down low. Her ability to score and rebound impact the game defensively. I mean, she, we're uh, Storm fans are very fortunate because she's kind of setting the uh, the vanguard for the future for our team. And I, I we're we've been very fortunate to have such a, a dominant team. I wish it was uh, more popular, and I wish you know people would be a little bit more open to watching it. But it's a lot of fun to watch, and seriously, just the the luxury or uh, the gift to be able to watch Sue Bird still like rack up the assists like the way she does just watch the genius at play coincide with you know the chemistry that she has with Brianna Stewart is really just an amazing uh, opportunity for you know any fan um, and you could anyone could learn a lot but yeah hats off to them for pulling it off and especially with uh, considering everything that's been going on yeah you know everyone's talking about the NBA bubble and hardly anyone was talking about the WNBA bubble they had to do the same thing they had to go through the same uh, trials and tribulations, you know, if you will. And they, to win a championship in a time like this is, you know, I think if you hear the argument is, should there be an asterisk put on it? If there is, it's an asterisk the other way, man. Like you had to, <laughs> fight, you had to fight that much harder to get this one. So, yeah. And we'll get to that in a little bit with the two teams in the uh, NBA finals. But yeah, shout out to them. And the other shout out I wanted to give real quick before we really get into it is former Bobcat linebacker, now Philadelphia Eagle linebacker, Alex Singleton with the pick six on Sunday Woo! night football against the 49ers. That was awesome. Oh, I love to see that. That was very cool. That is, that's an awesome alumni to have for the Bobcats. Yeah, Patrick, did you see that? I was going to say, this is why people need to tune into your show. That is breaking news to me. I, <laughs> I had no idea that we had an alum get a pick six. That is amazing. I remember Singleton. He played when we were there. Yeah, he was a senior, I think, when I was a freshman. So I remember watching yeah. him play my freshman year. He tried to actually try out for the Seahawks when he went out of college there. Didn't quite make the team then. He went up to the CFL and just dominated with Calgary for a long time. Like, I think he was a CFL MVP one year. 
up there. Oh, dang. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then the Eagles finally gave him a chance this year. And uh, he had a pick six the other night against the Niners. And it turned out to be the score that actually sealed the win for the Eagles um, on Sunday night football. I th- that's just awesome, man. That's amazing. I, th- I hate to admit, I hate to say this, but I actually tuned out after, uh, after the second half, once I saw the score was like eight fourteen, and I was just, I was just not completely invested. Um, and I am very happy to hear that we have a Bobcat represent in the NFL like that. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, Missoula guys in the league right now. So have some Bobcat scoring in the league and a big yeah. for, for Bozeman on the map like that. Come on. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, when you, when you got Al Michaels calling your name, you've made it the big time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and plus, anytime the 49ers lose, it's a good day. It's a good day. <laughs> so those are the shout outs I wanted to give. If you guys had anything you wanted to uh, shout out real quick before we get going. Shout out to the Texans for finally firing Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll get to that a little later. Yeah, too. no, I know. I just there's a oh. there's some behind the scenes stuff that I've read about that that's going to be interesting to talk about. Oh, I think I know what you're referring to, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, how about you, Patrick? Any shout outs you want to give? You know, I want to give a shout out to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, not that you know they're just in the ALDS. Baseball's kind of been you know, very interesting, I guess you could put it, you know, they were kind of forced back to play. And unfortunately we uh, were kind of robbed of a baseball season in the sense that we didn't get a full season and it, it's weird to watch with no fans, but I've got the playoffs going on and I'm still enjoying them. And I'm pulling for them to, you know, do a little small market upset of the Yankees, hopefully defeat the Astros. It looks like they're going to make it onto the next division or next round. And I'm really pulling for the Rays and I'm also pulling for the Padres. So shout out to, the Padres as well and Fernando Tatis yeah that dude we talked about him a little bit on the last one a very exciting baseball player Mm -hmm. uh last I saw the Rays were winning pretty big tonight yeah they're up 8-2 right now I got it in the background but my 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 focus is here you know of course all right all right can I can I do one more shout out uh I want to do now just in case we don't get to it because we have a lot of other football talk shout out first of all to Buccaneers defensive player uh, Levante David, who absolutely balled out during the Bucks Chargers game, and shout out to Tom Brady, who whoever said he doesn't have anything left in his arm was clearly wrong. If you watch that game, the man was slinging the ball like he was a twenty-year-old quarterback again, because the man was firing dimes. Shout outs all around. I love it. I love <laughs> it. So let's just dive into what we wanted to uh, really dissect tonight, and it's uh, the NBA. Uh, real quick, let's talk about the finals first, since we're kind of in the heat of them right now. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> Someone uh, take the microphone. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I lost my talking privileges for that one. Um, just like if we had a video, there'd just be like a big old crook coming from the off off side of the stage, just trying to pull them <laughs> off. But that's that was- a that's a visual gag for an audio podcast. There you go. <laughs> Uh, right now we're on the fringe of the Lakers claiming the title. They're up three, one. Um, all they've got to do is win one more. LeBron looks as focused as he's ever been. I, I love the heat. I love the story they've put together up to this point, but I feel like this is where it ends and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but just watching this Lakers team, which I have a lot in the playoffs. They were the team that 
uh, gave the gentleman sweep to my Trailblazers in the first round. They they look pretty unstoppable. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Unfortunately for the Heat, I think they're kind of starting to resemble the 2001 uh, Sixers in the sense of a team really, you know, in 2001 they were really driven or they were really riding the uh, Allen Iverson train and they were able to actually steal one against the Lakers uh, with uh, Kobe and Shaq. But unfortunately, they didn't have enough manpower to, you know, battle, um, battle to compete after stealing the one. So I think right now the Heat are kind of resembling that you know, putting up a huge fight. You know, one of the things I love about the Heat is that they are full of dogs. We're not scared of, you know, this idea that they're going up against LeBron or they're going up against AD. But, you know, the shots that they were hitting in the last round and the round before that against the Bucks, they just aren't falling, which has been very frustrating to watch because that's how they're going to be able to beat them is, you know, moving the ball around and making these open shots, which they just haven't been able to do. And on the reverse end, you know, the Lakers, of course, you're going to get LeBron and AD who are going to go for their respective 30 points, uh, fill the stat sheet. But it's the other guys who are going to help carry that win. Like last night, it was KCP. The game before, I think it was Markeith Morris. Kuzma has had his moments. I think he's actually been playing really well, despite all the ridicule he can get. Rondo somehow uh, reverts back to playing like he had when he was on the Celtics. You know, they're locked in and they're linked. They're connected in a way that not a whole lot of teams are just with their chemistry, ability to play off each other. You know, there's the argument that you could put LeBron on a team with a bunch of scrubs, but as long as they can shoot, that team's going to win because he just creates so much offense with his presence, his passing ability. And you can watch those games and, you know, break it down and just see how many wide open shots a lot of those guys are getting. So, I, I'm with you. I, I unfortunately I think the heat run's gonna event or is gonna end potentially on Friday. If not, um, I don't think this game I don't think the series is going seven and we'd be fortunate to get to go six, but I think it might be ending at five. You know, they, they did the heat seemed to get a boost the other night in game three. Actually, Patrick, I saw you tweeted after game three. I loved this uh, tweet of yours. You said that Jimmy Butler just had his Picasso game. Man, he really did. You talk about what he did in that game three to drop 40, get 11 rebounds, 13 assists, you know, get the triple-double. I think it was the first time ever that a player has outscored, out-rebounded, and out-assisted LeBron in a finals game. You know, Jimmy Butler's been one of my favorite players to watch kind of through this Mm -hmm. whole heat run. But, yeah, it's just the Lakers are – they're on another level, it feels like. And the Heat will need everything to go right three times in a row now if they're going to win this thing. And I just don't see that happening again. I, I completely agree. And, and that it kind of harkened back to my, that analogy of, of the Sixers is the reason I'm saying that is because they're kind of Jimmy Butler is kind of resembling AI in that sense of really carrying the team. I mean, what, like what else they, they squeaked that win out and he had the near perfect game. He shot 70% and the rest of the team shot below 50%. He, he, he scored and or assisted on more than like 60 of the team's points and they had 115 points. So he had to, he had to score assist on half of their points. I mean, he's doing everything in his power and that's why it's been such an amazing ride to watch him. Cause that dude is the ultimate competitor. You know, a lot of people were mocking him for his decision to go to the heat. Cause they didn't think that they were going to be able to compete in the way they have and his ability to play and impact the game on both offense and defense has just been, you know, mesmerizing to watch, which is why 
it's it's resembling of you know game one when AI you know kind of carried this <laughs> underdog victory against a star-studded Shaq Kobe Lakers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it, getting back to the Lakers a little bit, uh, this might even this might sound like a dumb question to ask, but it's just one that I thought of the other day and kind of have been thinking through the whole playoffs. I'll ask both of you guys. Do you think it's actually possible that we are not fully appreciating what LeBron is doing and potentially about to do? This is his 10th NBA Finals appearance. He is on the verge of becoming, I believe, the first player to ever win a title with three different teams. This would be his fourth title, I think, if I'm right. And it still feels like almost like we're not we're not full, like it's going to be one of those things that we won't fully appreciate until he's long retired and we're looking back on it, you know, a decade or two down the road. That's what it feels like right now. It, like we're not talking about those accomplishments, I think as much as we should be. I think uh, in a lot of ways, we're going to look back at him like we currently do with Michael Jordan uh, as, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, even though with Michael Jordan, there's a lot to be argued that there's a lot of, I don't want to say black marks on his career, but like some, some downturns, I guess is a way to put it. I'm sure you, Patrick, honestly, I bet you have a better word for it, but you know, like when he, when he went to the wizards or his wonderful time as a GM, I think one of the things right now that a lot of people don't like LeBron for is the fact that he has played for, uh, what'd you say Jared has been three different teams now. Well, yeah, he, you know, he started with Cleveland. He went to Miami, came back to Cleveland, won the Mm -hmm. title, and then now he's in uh, Los Angeles. But, you know, winning with three different franchises, I think a lot of people view him as someone that's just chasing rings. And I think that makes people lose respect for him, if that makes sense. And you guys can feel free to disagree with me, but. Yeah, I think you've definitely seen some of that where people, uh, they go after him for the ring chasing but we also see a bunch of players that then are willing to come to those teams to help bolster it. So while LeBron's very good, and I, I do think that Patrick, your analogy of him being on any team with some scrubs that could shoot would still be a pretty darn good team. Those teams do get the benefit of extra unofficial support from players wanting to come and be on that LeBron James you know, championship team or potential championship team. Uh, just, I think, I think you made a really good point. I, just in the sense that LeBron, for all his all his greatness, does catch a lot of disrespect from fans and kind of a lot of hatred. And I think that just kind of comes with the territory of being the greatest in the world at, at the given moment, mm-hmm. where people are going to kind of want to chop you down. You know, after LeBron did the whole uh, decision debacle, going to Miami to team up uh, Wade and Bosch, you know, that's that's kind of his black mark of if anything, just a very immature decision. And that's kind of the, the most slander I'm going to give LeBron um, for the remainder of this topic, because he's going to retire in within the next four years or five years, maybe even three years. And that doesn't sound like we're going to, uh, you know, it sounds like a long enough time to be able to kind of soak it all in, but we're at the tail end of it, of arguably the greatest career in NBA mm-hmm. history. I'm still very pro uh, Jordan in that argument. But if you're going to create a basketball player just out of clay and spark life into it like Frankenstein and be like, throw it out, throw whatever creature out there and just dominate, LeBron James is as near perfect a model for a basketball player that we've ever seen. The ability to pass the knowledge of the game, you know, 6'9", but can run like a gazelle. Um, 
can jump higher than any guy that we've seen, been able, we've seen before him. Um, maybe, you know, maybe that's a little hyperbolic, but I mean, we've never seen anyone as great as him in regards to physical strength, physical, just dimensions of the body, um, basketball knowledge, basketball IQ, you know, once he added the three pointer more consistently, that baseline jumper, it's just like, you can't guard this guy. And, you know, I like to cheer against him because he's kind of like the Goliath, you know, but Mm -hmm. What's kind of fun is to be in awe of the Goliath in the moment, if that makes sense. Like we, we we're really in the midst of greatness. True, yeah. True form. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to put it. You know, you always, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before Jared, I've at least talked with you about it in, in private, but uh, as a sports fan, you always kind of want to root for the underdog. You always kind of want to root for that underdog story. And so, yeah, when, when the heat, who no one thought would get this far are taking on LeBron James and the Lakers who are, you know, a juggernaut. You kind of want to see the heat win, but you're also, you can't help, but, you know, I like the way you said it, be in awe of how well-oiled the machine, the Lakers are and how LeBron captains that, that ship. Yeah. And I, you guys are both really touching on something that I've found as a, Myself as a sports fan coming to terms with recently more in football. Um, I'll be the first to admit I still not a huge fan. And during the time very much have hated the new England Patriots dynasty, mm-hmm. but I had my moment like that, watching them come back against the Falcons where I just couldn't help but think we are witnessing something right now. Like we are lucky to be witnessing this right yeah. now. This will be something we'll be able to tell our kids and grandkids about that yes, I grew up watching, you know, the Belichick Tom Brady dynasty. And as much as you hate it at the time, you do have to, at some point, just let yourself be in awe of it, I think. And I think that's a really strong parallel to draw with LeBron James. And Patrick, like you said, when you are the best player in the world, you're going to draw some flack. And I think that that's something that probably doesn't keep him up at night. So, right. And, you know, going back to your comment about, you know, being able to tell our kids about kind of like the mythic lore of kind of the sports figures that we got to grow up with. Justin, you'll appreciate this, uh, you know, (laughs) sharing similar history uh, nerdum as I do is, you know, when we talked to like our parents about like, you know, what was it like watching Michael Jordan in his prime or like, what was it like watching, you know, a random game with Barry Sanders in it? Or, you know, what was it like when Ken Griffey Jr., you know, came in in 1990, uh, 1992 and kind of changed the whole manners dynamic. We'll be able to pass that down and be like, look, you don't, you can't really fully understand. Like you can watch highlight videos, but this guy was the epitome of success within this league. I mean, 10 NBA championship appearances, you know, potentially four, it's looking like it. And three finals MVPs on three different teams Again, potentially, it's kind of a toss-up between him and Anthony Davis, but I think it's going to LeBron. It's just it, – what that says is wherever he goes, greatness follows. It's not the organization that he is the greatness that is planted into the organization, and the greatness from him sprouts out to all those around him. Mm-hmm. He, make, he makes organizations championship contenders with the sole presence of himself alone, and that is what greatness is. And Tom Brady, I think, is an excellent comparison because – 
as much as we've cheered against them, I'm not even going to bring up the 2015 Super Bowl, even though I just did. Yeah, I was going to say, you, <laughs> I, I, oh, I wouldn't be a Seahawks fan unless you brought up that Super Bowl, right? I, I, don't, even <laughs> wanna, I don't even want to dive into it. We're talking basketball, but it's a similar appreciation for Well, great- Well, dive into it was what the Seahawks should have done, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it, was, it was right there, ripe for the picking. I'm about to mute you, sir. Justin's out of the podcast now. Not the Patrick Jared podcast. Yeah, there we go. We voted. It's like Survivor, Justin. You've been voted out. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. I'll, I'll see myself out. <laughs> no. You know, going back to LeBron, though, and, and talking about just, you know, feeling lucky that we get to witness this firsthand, I would almost make the argument that if the Lakers do end up taking this thing, like it looks like they're going to, this might be the crown jewel in his achievements, too. I mean – you won the title with the heat or the couple titles with the heat. And that was, you know, that was great. But, you know, many people made the super team argument with that and he came back and he delivered on the promise to Cleveland, but this, after everything that's gone on this year, even before COVID, you know, with the passing of Kobe and everything that's surrounding the Lakers organization, just on that front of things and not, not even mentioning the fact that LeBron and Kobe were great, great friends to, to play with everything that must be on his shoulders right now. He's really does have the city of LA on his shoulders. And I think if he wins it this year, at least I'll look at it as his crown jewel of his four championships and everything he's accomplished. Yeah, it is, it is very close between this and the 2016 championship. I, Respectfully, I might I might sway closer to that 2016 one just because of the uh, the magnitude of the upset and I mean the way he carried that team back three one against the greatest you know regular season team of all time in the Warriors. I mean that 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 series. I mean that game seven still gives me chills. The blocks is one of the most iconic defensive plays in NBA history, if not most iconic play in NBA history. But you're 100 percent right that you know Kobe's death was you know, love him or hate him, but that was just so monumentous in the amount of um, Mm -hmm. badness that was, you know, passed through all sports fans, not just basketball fans, but you could see his impact on people uh, across, uh, across sports um, or across the sports uh, landscape. And, you know, to bring a championship to LA who has also been hit very hard by this virus, including the loss of Kobe with which had nothing to do with the virus that we have right now, but a, a sporadic helicopter crash. I mean, this this championship must mean so much. And so what what everything the NBA has gone through to make this thing organized, to make this thing work, and to have kind of be the first team to have sports back on the screen, it's really a marvel and amazing that they've been able to tough this out and are going to be able to pull this out again, potentially, uh, you know, not going to completely count out the heat. But I – I mean, this championship will, will mean a lot to the city of LA and to LeBron himself. And I completely agree with you. Uh, You made basically every point I wanted to make right there, Patrick, and you summed it up very eloquently. Yeah. But for the city of LA and the Lakers organization as a whole, I think this, this championship would make, would, would mean a lot. Lakers on the verge of winning their first title since 2010. I believe it would be the franchise's 17th overall, pretty unbelievable stuff going on with the Lakers Uh, sticking with the NBA theme though, if you guys have nothing else on the finals, uh, another thing I wanted to touch on just real quick 
is kind of all the coaching turnover we've seen over the last month and a half, really, as teams are getting eliminated here. And it's been pretty wild. Yeah, I can't – I mean, tracking all of them, I think Pelicans let go Alvin Gentry, uh, Pacers let go Nate McMillan, Bulls fired uh, John Beeline, uh, you know, Rockets, you know, parted ways with uh, Mike D'Antoni. Those are just kind of the ones that are off the top of my head that aren't, you know, of substantial uh, importance, I guess, in regards to conversation. The biggest ones were obviously Doc Rivers leaving the Clippers – under mysterious circumstances, no one's really able to kind of pinpoint exactly what happened there outside of the, you know, disastrous 3-1 uh, choke job that they did against the Nuggets, which will go down in infamousy as yeah. one of the worst performances in NBA history. Sorry, and, and uh, the Steve Nash hire to the Brooklyn Nets, which will be very, very interesting. Yeah, well, and Justin, you're kind of our residence Nets fan, quote-unquote, a little bit. Uh, you've talked about it before. Steve Nash is obviously a very big name in basketball. What do you think of that hire for the Nets? I think it's pretty exciting, honestly. Um, you know, the Nets are a team that have, since I kind of started following them, have been in a state of rebuilding. And, you know, this year I, I, I go in and I, I know they've been getting better progressively, but when, when I started following them, they, they're the absolute bottom of the barrel. And so the nice thing about being a very casual Nets fan is I expect nothing every year. So like when this happens and they're in the NBA bubble for the playoffs, it's, it's a pleasant little surprise, a nice cherry on the season. Oh, sorry. Sorry to oh, cut you. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, you think, you know, you're going to have a healthy KD coming back for them mm-hmm. potentially next year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very exciting. Kyrie, you know, they, they really could be a contender for the yeah. next foreseeable future in the East. And maybe Jeremy Lin, you know, we were talking about before the podcast, he wants to make a comeback in the NBA. Maybe he'll decide to come back to the Nets. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> maybe he finally gets that that uh, championship with the Nets. Sometimes a coaching change can make a world of difference for a team. And I think this might be enough to push him over the edge. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge name. It was maybe the biggest name hire of the uh, coaching carousel so far. Patrick, what do you think of that hire the Nets had? Well, I would, I would love to see a little insanity uh, NBA championship. That would be fantastic. Um, just diverting uh, uh, the question <laughs> uh, back to what Justin was saying. That would be very, very fun. Um, I, I love the hire. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, Steve Nash was – he had a really – he had an odd position. He wasn't actually part of the front office at the Warriors or with the Warriors, but he, like, served as a consultant, I believe. And he has a very close relationship with Steve Nash and they've, you know, trained off season on and off for the last couple of years. And I know that just from reading articles and um, understanding what the relationship's like. And I think there's a lot of, you know, confusion about his coaching credentials just because he is a new head coach, but he's coming, he's coming in as the type of guy that is, I guess was comparable to what Dockers was as a player's coach, just meaning, you know, at, X's and O's aren't necessarily going to be the biggest concern because you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and potentially a healthy Kevin Durant. So, you know, X's and O's will get you so far, but what you really want is to kind of help contain the, you know, emotions and uh, personalities of those two guys. It's not really a huge secret that they've kind of had their issues with the media um, and will kind of find themselves in uh, situations (laughs) where their personalities kind of get the bigger of them. And what comes with Steve Nash is level-headed, down-to-earth, very, very knowledgeable guy. Um, Katie and Kyrie are both on the record of, you know, just being 
thorough through and through hoop heads who just love basketball to its core. And I think that's what Steve Nash brings to him. Plus the exciting um, aspect that he played with the seven seconds or less Mike D'Antoni's sons back in the mid 2000s, that they may be able to, you know, replicate that in some way. So I think it's really exciting. I, they, they have pieces in Spencer Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie uh, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. Um, they may be bringing back Joe Harris. And, I mean, they can make a move to, for a third big uh, superstar. So they're definitely a team to watch for next year. And I'm glad you brought up Doc Rivers because that's kind of the other, the big hire too that the Philadelphia 76ers just did, you know, not long after firing uh, their former head man, Brett Brown. Uh, now Doc's calling the shots. And I think that's, I think that's big time for the Sixers. I was somebody who a few episodes ago was actually very vocal that I thought the Sixers firing Brett Brown was a mistake. I'm not going to completely rescind that, but hiring a guy like Doc definitely puts a damper on what I said a little bit because he's a, you know, I looked it up. He's somebody who's never in his first year coaching at a new team, whether it was with Orlando back in 99, uh, Boston in, uh, I want to say 2003 or four. And then when he came to the Clippers, his first year coaching with these new teams, he's never had a losing record. So I think he'll give, I think he could come in and I think he can uh, help the Sixers maintain their whatever relevancy, I guess you can say they have in the East. They have been to the playoffs for three years in a row now, but I think that's a big time hire for them for sure. Yeah. I, I actually really, uh, I really like that hire as well. And for similar reasons why Steve Nash was brought into the Nets, you know, Doc Rivers is known kind of more for the motivational, like player coach, um, willing to kind of amp up the players. Uh, he's known for like long motivational speeches at, in ha- the halftime locker room or pregame. And I think the, th- through the course of the season, guys were souring on Brett Brown and Philly um, for understandable reasons, just because the offense was clogged. They never really were able to click and get the chemistry right. And hopefully with Doc, he would be able to encourage Ben Simmons to, you know, extend his shooting range, you know, into the three-point area, which has been uh, a topic of debate, just how willing he is to adapt to playing with Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid's also kind of struggled with issues of, um, there's rumors even struggled with issues of depression, just with uh, mood swings that he's had throughout the course of this season and last. And I think kind of like we were saying when a guy is so great, there's a high expectation for him. And since the Sixers weren't able to deliver on those expectations, uh, I think that started to weigh on Joel Embiid a lot. So hopefully with Doc, you know, he will be able to serve as as much of a coach, but also a mentor and leader for that locker room, um, which they desperately needed because Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons aren't really on the record as being great vocal leaders. Brett Brown seemed to have lost locker room. Um, midway through the season, if not prior to that. And, you know, hats off to Brett, Brett Brown for the, the work he had done. He was the coach for the rebuilding uh, phase, which is not an easy task because your job is essentially to lose to get the best draft pick. And that is not something you don't want to ask someone who is trying to compete on the highest level of their job. So, you know, he toughed out those rough spots, but once it came time that they are in an opportunity to go and get a championship they made the right move and getting a championship caliber coach I know Doc kind of has a a checkered uh, playoff history I guess you might put it multiple three one losses which is never good Um, only able to get one championship with that uh, KG Ray Allen Paul Pierce Celtics but I'm optimistic I I, 
you know, it's, you, you don't have a very long time to have a ch- championship window. As we found out with the Seahawks in 2013, 14, 15, things change in the matter of moments. Um, one big signing, or as Justin said, one other head coach signing somewhere else could be, uh, could alter the whole uh, paradigm of the whole league. So mm-hmm. could this possibly be that uh, coaching sign that will elevate them to the highest level of play that they can have? And I think um, it's, it, it, it's a, it's a higher for the better, not, um, not out of anything other than uh, I think he'll be able to maybe get the best out of those guys that wasn't previously there. Uh, and then uh, Patrick, a, a question directed specifically at you. Uh, what do you think of your Knicks hiring Tom Thibodeau? Oh, right. Tom Thibodeau. I, I, I see they even went under the radar for me. It's interesting. He'll, he's, he's kind of known for working his guys. I think while he was the coach uh, with the Bulls, he had a record of having the guy, whoever, um, he had various players play the most minutes uh, in the league or average the most minutes. So Jimmy Butler for a while averaged like 40 minutes a game. Luol Dang was up there. You know, that's great. I'm hoping that Frank Nielakina, he's the point guard uh, who hasn't, he's kind of underdeveloped. He hasn't really found his footing in the league. He'll have moments of greatness on defense, but he looks like a deer in headlights on offense. I'm hoping he'll be able to maybe bring out a little bit more confidence in him, get some playing time. I'm excited because Thibodeau is defensive minded and we have great pieces in Mitchell Robinson, who's our center, who is, you know, as raw, just in the sense of he can make some brilliant, just beautiful defensive plays, but he's, he's not really disciplined in regards to how he goes about playing defense. Um, Just mean his arms flail around, flail around a lot. He uh, gets a lot of fouls, but I think like, you know, one of those analytic uh, stats that like blocks per 48 minutes, he led the league. And I think he'll be able to bring out the best in him. It'll be interesting though. The Knicks have, you know, (laughs) a history of, you know, building up this exciting new hire and, you know, things are changing in the organization and there's never really much change. So, you know, I'm going to play optimist and say they have great pieces in RJ Barrett, uh, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox is, I'm hoping that maybe he'll also get developed a little bit more. He's looking like he might be a bust. Um, but, you know, I guess how, how, how disgruntled and nervous do I sound talking about it? <laughs> how, how much does it sound like I'm trying to talk myself into it? You sound realistic. We'll say that. Okay. Is that what we're like, going to say? It's like, it's, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of a good example. It's like, you know, going into a test without studying or pulling an all nighter and just being like, you know, I, you know, I, I came to class and I've, I've paid attention to the lectures. Like, you know, I'm thinking I'm aiming for like a 70, 75%. I think that's, the range and i think that's kind of what the knicks are i think they're aiming for 70 75 but they could also easily just you know bomb that test by coming in not with uh, the proper uh, uh tools and resources if that uh, makes sense yeah yeah I've, i follow i follow um we're, we're mariners fans we know exactly, oh, exactly why do you gotta keep reminding me we all know this <laughs> we all can relate uh yeah the knicks uh are always uh they're always uh, an adventure and usually it's not for good reasons but they're almost always a headline for something so they'll find their way to get back in the the media cycle and it'll be for the worse and i'm accepting that already i know the season isn't even here yet but they are already the laughing stock and like i said earlier you think there's no way to get worse and they've 
someone gives them a shovel and a hard hat and a ladder and they say here dig yourself down and then they pull that ladder out right on them that's all i gotta say about the knicks i guess <laughs> all right well we, we won't make you talk about the knicks anymore uh actually i think we're gonna phase out of our nba talk altogether here uh there has like we said though just some big time coaching hires gonna be interesting to see how they all pan mm-hmm. out Jared, do you mind i i'm sorry to interrupt you but do you mind if i, I have one last thing i'd like to say on steve nash definitely uh, okay uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about his hiring as a part of white privilege and him kind of getting a job where there are, uh, you know, a whole pool of great, uh, excellent black coaches who were completely, completely uh, qualified for the job. And it's com- it a completely relevant and crucial and observant conversation that needs to be had about the hiring process within the NBA and pro sports in general. Um, there are a lot of uh, opportunities that do not get given to uh, men of color, women, um, usually find the roles being filled by uh, white men. And I completely understand this, uh, the argument and conversation about how Steve Nash may have just kind of stumbled into this based off white privilege. Uh, I will, I would, you know, just play devil's advocate and say he is, he is occupied just in the sense that he is one of the greatest point guards of all time, has a great relationship with Katie and Kyrie, but that does not mean that the conversation should stop there and there should be an, op- uh, an examination of the hiring processes within pro sports to be more inclusive to potential black coaches and give that platform uh, to uh, the coaches with just with the opportunity in mind that uh, there hasn't really been an even playing field and not even uh, really there has not been an even playing field for black men in this country and um, and women to obtain these roles in various job titles. So I think that's an important conversation. I just wanted to uh, mention it just because it is a poor part. It was discussed briefly when, when he was hired and it should be an ongoing conversation moving forward. Um, again, I don't know if this is necessarily the, the hill to die in and that might be an insensitive way to put that. Um, but it is again, a completely relevant, um, completely justified and, should be examined throughout uh, pro sports and just um, in general. Yeah, a hundred percent. I totally agree with you. I remember when that stuff was being talked about when he got hired too. Um, the NBA talking about all the stuff that they've uh, dealt with this season. They've also been one of the foremost voices for um, all the social issues we're seeing in our country right now. And mm-hmm. it's like you said, I, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be mentioned. And let's hope that not only this whole Steve Nash thing, but the NBA in general and other facets of sports and whatever have you in life can open up that conversation uh, in whatever avenues we can. And I think that this is a perfect opportunity to do it right here. Like you said, um, it's no disrespect towards Steve Nash at all, of course, but like you said, it's a perfect opportunity to open up this discourse. Put it, you put it beautifully there, Patrick, perfectly yeah. said. All right. So let's move on to the NFL in the little time we have remaining. Uh, that's yes. uh, Justin. I'll let you take charge with this. I know. you. Oh my gosh. Let me <laughs> talk some NFL. I am riled up. What are you riled up talk. about? Those Titans. Those Titans are really making me unhappy right now (laughs) for those of you that don't know the titans were the first major covid outbreak in the nfl it also just came out today which is wednesday um october 7th oh my gosh it's october 7th how did it get so late (laughs) um 
But today, October 7th, that the Titans is all but been confirmed had an illegal practice in which they gathered, which as you can tell may have dominoed this COVID effect where they have had, I, I have, I've lost track. Honestly, the last I saw, they had like six players and several staff members all test positive for COVID. Yeah. The last number I saw was the, the organization as a whole is up to 20 confirmed cases now. Oh my goodness. So the Titans played, it was the Vikings, correct? Uh, yeah. A cu- couple weeks ago, they played the Vikings who uh, they had a couple of confirmed cases. We are now seeing more and more players test positive for COVID. My question is to the Titans who are not listening to this, but Mike Grable, if you do in this year of all years, what the hell are you thinking? (laughs) Why would you do something like this? Not only are you jeopardizing your organization who is now going to face the wrath of Goodell in (laughs) unprecedented times. He is, you know, usually he's got the big, he's got a big hammer for dealing out fines and punishments he's bringing out a bigger hammer no one thought he had a bigger hammer until now but you're risking the entirety of the nfl you are putting players at risk you're putting players families at risk yeah most of the players are healthy young men but that does not mean that they don't have an elderly grandmother at home that's in a high-risk group or maybe a spouse or a partner that has an underlying condition that puts them at high risk. You are being so selfish for what I would qualify as such little gain. You know, if this was a normal year, yeah, an extra practice is no big deal, but this is not a normal year. I have lost a lot of respect for the Titans because of this decision. This is a completely idiotic, selfish move, and I I do think they deserve a hefty punishment from the NFL. Well, and uh, if the reports that are coming out currently are to be believed, what I've heard is the NFL is mulling over a quote unquote historic punishment for Mm -hmm. the Titans. So I don't know what that means. I've heard mostly from fans and stuff, but the idea of having them forfeit games be thrown around, which would be unprecedented in the NFL. I don't think there's ever been a punishment like that. Yeah, but the hammer needs to come down hard. Uh, I will play devil's advocate a little bit, and I maybe I haven't read the same stuff you have, Justin. I don't know if Mike Vrabel had anything to do with this. What I heard was just was just a player-organized thing where some players got together. So I don't know if coaching had anything to do with this. I, I guess I haven't seen that particular piece of news. So maybe, maybe Mike Vrabel is somewhat redeemed but i will wait to find out but right now i i am pissed i may have made some jokes when i was kind of ranting there but at the end of the day this is indicative of a problem that is much larger than the the titans organization organization excuse me we're seeing this across the nfl and i saw a i briefly saw it today when i was browsing twitter during lunch that several nfl players and coaches believe that the NFL is more concerned about games going on than overall safety. And I think that was in, I need to read more into the story, obviously, but I think that's in regards to the, the unwillingness to go into a bubble type format. Um, like we've seen other sports do, but I, I digress on that point. This is indicative of a much larger problem in general. We're seeing individuals 
act so selfishly in the face of this pandemic. And well, yes, you know, the three of us are young males. If we catch it, uh, we're probably going to be fine. You know, it might be like a bad flu for us, but that doesn't mean everybody is going to have that. When you refuse to act in the safe manner set up by your organization, by your state, by your company, whatever, and are willing to continue to up those COVID numbers, you are acting in an incredibly selfish manner and you are beyond putting people's lives at risk are ruining things for several people. Right now in Montana, our, my county that we're in, our, our cases have spiked and we're, you know, at a point where schools in Montana in general are, are looking to possibly shut down again. If that happens, student athletes have their sports season taken away. Students in extracurriculars have that taken away. And, you know, for I'm, my, my heart breaks for last year's seniors and this year's seniors that basically get those last that last piece of their high school experience just ripped away from them with no say in the matter. There's nothing they can do. And it happens because of the selfish acts of a few individuals. It just breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, what are your thoughts on the whole COVID situation with the Titans and maybe just the NFL more in general? I'm going to, I'm going to pass it back uh, the, the praise and a, a green uh, aspect with Justin. I, I don't think I could have said it any better. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, our buddy, Michael, my old roommate and uh, diehard Titans fan. I know he's probably reeling from the loss, um, not the actual win loss in the, in the column uh, standings, but from the actual loss of the game due to the COVID outbreak. I, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to use this analogy that I think will wrap, wrap in, but I was watching uh, this movie doubt with Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman and, they give this analogy about gossip and how this man goes into confession and talks about how he had spread a rumor about his neighbor. And the priest told that man to go and get a knife and cut open a pillow and let the, uh, the feathers fly away. So the man does that. He goes back to confession the next day and the, the priest says, all right, go and collect every feather that flew away. And the man says, that's impossible. I can't get every feather back. And the priest says, exactly. That's exactly, that's, that's what, you're doing when you gossip you throw it out there and you won't be able to retain it and you know this analogy only goes so far with something like um, a virus that spreads like this but I think it's very similar where you know there are people's lives at stake obviously we're we've hit almost 210,000 now uh, deaths within the United States NFL is really fortunate to be able to have the means and the funds to continue uh employment for not just the players but for the coaching staff for the trainers um, for advertisers for um, front office uh, personnel um, in a time when a lot of people have lost their jobs a lot of people are on unemployment and haven't been able to uh, retrieve their jobs some people are you know skating by with what they have the resource the resources and financial uh, finances that they've been able to uh, maintain but you know as, as we're, we're going to find out, I think a lot of people are going to progressively start losing that means to provide for themselves. And, you know, football, it's, it, it's kind of going back to the concussion movie where they said, you know, they own a day of the week. They, you know, they may not be role models in the sense that we're not going to them to pray to them or using them to determine our values, ethics, and morals, but they are representative to a whole, our whole country and are watched by thousands, 
no, no, not thousands, millions, millions of people. And, you know, when, when something like this happens, um, I didn't, I actually didn't know about the legal practice. I, I would, I, I, I was, I was a lot more sympathetic to the fact that I thought, you know, one player got it and they didn't catch it. And then it got spread throughout the organization. I thought that was more, more of a scenario. Um, but in the event that they had a legal practice and weren't checking every guy, that's a travesty. That's, that's an embarrassment for the league. And that's, you know, again, these guys are really fortunate to be able to retain their jobs and go and, you know, be a part of their employment and compete every Sunday. You know, it's just, it's really, you know, I mean, obviously you're mentioning that uh, there, there may be historic binds. We already saw Pete, uh, Pete Carroll, and I think it was Kyle Shanahan and, um, some other coaches that got fined like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, Gruden. Wearing, yeah, Gruden. Simply for not wearing their masks. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm very against. Uh, uh, you know, I'm usually pro players, uh, anti owners, and Goodell, um, just because they do have a very sketchy history of exploiting their players. And I think this is mm-hmm. another example. But I think in this in this case, you know, a hefty fine is the best example to be like, look, this is unacceptable. Um, Again, if more information comes out that it was something as simple as, you know, one guy, you know, happened to get it and it was missed in a test and it spread, I'd be more sympathetic to that. But if it was, you know, disobeying kind of the guidelines that were set in place to be able to have this season, like having a secret practice without cons- consolidating with uh, whoever you need to help officials, the, the, um, the owners or, uh, you know, even Goodell, you know, that's a really, that's a really bad look and that's really embarrassing for the league. And I, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I regret that we, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those instances where it's like, well, it's bigger than sports. You know, it's like, if you're not, if we're not going to take this seriously and we've, um, why are we, why, why are we doing this? I think the NFL has an opportunity now and I think they will to send a message, you know, whatever these historic punishments are going to be, you hope it sends the message not only to the Titans, but to the other 31 organizations that, Hey, we're not messing around. I mean, it makes me think back to, uh, you know, back in August, it was, you know, with the Seahawks, they had that rookie who tried to sneak a uh, female companion into the hotel and he was caught and he was cut, you know, pretty, pretty quickly. It's just, it's gotta be something that we take seriously, not just in football, obviously, but like you guys are both talking about football right now, it, it always is, but especially right now is a privilege. It's not a right. And Mm -hmm. the fact that we have a season at all, we should be fortunate for, and uh, not just us as fans, but these players and the people who are employed by these organizations, you know, yeah, you you just can't be, you can't afford to be doing stuff like this when you've already got the issue is going to pop up anyway. You know, you're never, I, when they don't do the bubble format, you're never going to be able to completely keep it out. You've seen that with the Patriots who have had Cam Newton. And I think now as of today, Stefan Gilmore, but also tested positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to happen in instances like that. But when you've got a team with, what did I say? 20 at least confirmed cases now, and and they're still doing things like this. uh, What are you doing? I mean, just seriously, you got to get it together and we'll see. I'm sure in the next couple of days, what these uh, fines or punishments will be. And it's probably going to be harsh and it should be. That's I'll, I'll end it on that. Jared, that's amazing that you said uh, it's a, it's a, it, we're treating it like it's a right uh, and not a privilege. Cause I was thinking that um, uh, just right before uh, 
you said it so i actually said it first technically in my head uh, <laughs> no 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 that's uh i i just i'm i think that's a, that's, a that's really some interesting point. logic patrick <laughs> yeah so i'm actually gonna take credit for that so that was a really good point i made no um <laughs> uh, no that was a re- i just thought that was a really really eloquent way of saying that and i thought um you couldn't have said that any better and uh similarly justin i think we're all in agreement that this is just uh you know, we got to do better. We just got to be better. Um, and as fans as well, uh, we, I think, can't let this um, slide like it's like the common uh, flu or like a cold or something like this, 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 the coronavirus has been killing thousands and thousands of people and we have to treat it seriously. And um, it's a, uh, it's a bummer isn't the right word. It's an insensitive word to use, but it's a bummer when um, it's being taken light of, especially, uh, in a league that holds themselves to uh, a level of professionalism that is admired by millions of people around the world or yeah world i guess you know it's a global phenomenon so um i agree though i hope uh, you know they make the right decision and uh, pass down some big old fines yeah yeah, yeah definitely uh and then in the tiny tiny bit we have remaining um sticking with the nfl justin do you want to do your segment again this week upset games and upsetting games Personally, I'm going to just reserve. It wasn't even an upsetting game because it didn't happen. But the tight, well, actually, yeah, because it didn't happen. The Titans game, that is my upsetting game of the week because regardless of all the things that we could say about, you know, the Browns Dallas game, what upsets me the most is the Titans right now. Fair enough. But boy, yeah, let's, let's talk an upset game. Don't even want to necessarily call it an upset, but I kind of want to say the. Bucks Chargers game going into that I I kind of didn't expect us to win honestly Jared I have to say I'm sorry for any doubt I ever threw on Justin Herbert because that that man can yeah. play football oh my gosh Listen, I I gained a whole new level of respect for him good there is a lot of people out there I won't say any names who doubt this young man still and it's not just my Oregon bias coming out, but you need to put some respect on Justin Herbert's name. <laughs> because, again, that kid came in, found out five minutes before the Chargers game with the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, oh, um, Tyrod Taylor can't go today. You're getting ready to make your first start. Oh, yeah, that team over there is the defending Super Bowl champs. And Justin Herbert took him to overtime and almost won. So yeah. I don't want to hear any – and I don't think I have to worry about it with you guys, but I've been hearing it around some naysayers about Justin Herbert. And all I have to say to that is watch a damn Chargers game. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's that's he played. He had some beautiful passes. It was, it was, it was a really fun game to watch. That's what I'll say about it. And you know, while it, while I'm sure the Buccaneers, I think were the favorite team going in. I didn't feel like it the way we started that game. And I, I thought we kind of upset the Chargers because the way we started that game, we didn't deserve to win it. But the adjustments we made at halftime and going into halftime, all I could remember was our friend Kyle Mitchell, who we've had on the podcast before, who is a Patriots fan. We were watching a – I don't even remember who the Patriots are playing, but the Patriots were down by a bit. And Kyle told me, he's like, the great thing about Tom Brady is you never feel like you're out of that game until it's over. And I remember watching that game with him. Patriots, Tom Brady led a comeback. The Patriots won that game. I watched Tom Brady do the same thing against the Chargers. And it, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, anybody that says he still he can't throw a ball, that he is a 
short yardage quarterback is wrong because <laughs> he was throwing some some bombs. Patrick, do you got an upset game? Uh, for this past week or predicting one? Uh, this past week. This past week? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You know, I actually really thought that Browns-Cowboys one was uh, is a good candidate. Um, man. Uh, that, But I might just be thinking about that because that was just such a good game. <laughs> so I don't know if that, that really counts as an upset just considering the, what the Browns, who they have around their team and – what we uh, expected them from them last year that they kind of lost their uh, underdog status, man. Why can't I think of, uh... um, I think the, another good choice that I, I th- thought about, I teetered on personally was the, the Panthers Cardinals game. Yeah. I thought the, the Panthers kind of upset the Cardinals in my opinion, but that was definitely, that was my pick actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I picked the Cardinals kind of for my upset last week too, cause they lost to the lions, but yeah, again, just looking at the rosters, there's no way that the Panthers, who don't have Christian McCaffrey right now, should have been able to do that to the Cardinals, who have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, again, as a Seahawks fan, I like to see it because f- slipping to two and two now, which the Cardinals have done, uh, so have the 49ers actually, uh, that could be a death sentence in the NFC West this year. Like the yeah. NFC West is going to be such a tight race to the end. And again, I just wonder if at season's end, we're going to have to look back at this loss to the Panthers and maybe last week's loss to the lions and say, that's why they didn't win the division or maybe that's why they didn't make the playoffs. So that was my upset game was the Panthers beating the Cardinals. And I think you, I think you put it on Twitter, Jared, but um Speaking of kind of something mildly upsetting, the Eagles are leading their division at one, two, and one. <laughs> and oh, say they win that division with whatever horrid record they're they're possibly going to end up with now, but right now it's not looking good. Well, and, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, go no, I you go ahead. I was I was just going to say, you know, I've said it a couple times on the show before. Uh, my predictions, I'm not going to waver on this. The Eagles are going to win that division with a losing record. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go seven, eight, and one, and they're going to be the NFC East champs. And you can put that in Sharpie. But yeah, what you said on, and please correct me if I quote you wrong, is that they're going to win that with a losing record and somebody from a better division with a winning record who, because the division's more competitive, is going to get knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah, going to miss our shot. Yeah, we've seen it before. I think the Cardinals actually one year missed the playoffs at 10 and 6 because of something like that. I can't argue or I can't hate on that too much because the Seahawks have been the beneficiary of that before, obviously getting in at 7 and 9. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's something that I know has been a hot topic of debate in the NFL before. And I think if I think if we see it again, we're going to see that same, uh, that same argument get brought up of should a – should every division send a representative just because that's how it is. So I don't know, Patrick, what do you think on that? I actually, I, I, I respectfully, I think I'm, I'm still got some confidence that the Cowboys are going to turn it around. I think it's, what are they one and three right now? I don't think that's really representative of who they are as a team considering some people were, you know, I mean, I, I never really thought this. Some people were talking about them as, you know, potentially being the representative of, of the NFC, um, in the Super Bowl, which I think again that mm, that was kind of no. uh, exaggerated. Yeah, I mean, look, I never bought into it, but the, the weapons they have with Dak, uh, Zeke, 
um, Amari Cooper, CD Lamb. I, I don't know if their lines, uh, their O line. I know for a while that the O line was one of the best in the league, and I, I imagine that they're still pretty solid because they do have uh, guys like Zach Martin and Tyron Smith still, I believe. Um, but they also lost Leon Vanderesh, um, that outside linebacker. Their defense hasn't been playing as well. Man, who did they? They have Demarcus Lawrence and who is that? Uh, they got oh Everson Griffith. So they have Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin, who you know I haven't heard their name a, a ton. Um, just coming up, but you know, realistically, they were—I I don't want to say this—but they they weren't completely out of it against the Seahawks, you know, last week. And the, their other losses too, when they lost to the Rams, they weren't completely out of that. I think it's more of just kind of a series of unfortunate events with them. I would peg them as the team that kind of turns it around and is able to regain the top spot in the NFC East. But I agree with you. I don't think they're any team that comes out of the NFC East is going to be uh, all that threatening. Another team, I, you know, I, I do also just want to say the Cardinals out of the, and all the teams in the NFC West, I'm really bummed that they're in the NFC West because they are a team that I think I would genuinely be rooting for just as like a side, like, cause I just think they're so fun. I think Kyler Murray's a lot of fun. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best players in the NFL. Christian Kirk is one of the best uh, RB two or wide uh, wide receiver twos um our second wide receivers uh Chandler Jones uh Patrick Pearson for their defense they uh drafted that guy Isaiah Simmons at a uh I think it was Clemson that linebacker but they have a really fun team I wish they weren't in there in uh in our division but uh unfortunately they are so you know watching them lose the Panthers does still feel a little good I've said that before too you know there's always that division team that you don't hate and you wish they weren't there and for me it's the Cardinals too man and for me it's all Fitz how could you hate Fitz oh yeah yeah, of course (laughs) so yeah it it was uh like I said it didn't break my heart to see him lose to the Panthers but Hey, I have just one uh, last question for you guys. I don't know if, uh, if what the time duration we're going for is, but I just wanted to ask, you know, we're at the quarter season mark. So we've played four games into the season. Who is your super uh, – who is your uh, overreaction MVP pick through four games so far this season? I'm just curious because I think we've got a lot of good options. I think you have to give it to Russ. And that's, <laughs> I that's, not, that's not just a Homer pick, man. I have seen what I've seen out of him the last four weeks, uh, you know, we're uh, without his play, we're one and three and maybe zero oh and four. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just in the numbers he's putting up record breaking, uh, you got to give it to Russ or maybe I would say Aaron Rodgers. I've, I've got, I think three guys that are in that conversation right now. Uh, I've got, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Josh Allen on the Bills. Because they, all three of them have been playing amazing football this year. I think those are a lot of people's uh, front runners. What about you, Patrick, since you asked the question? I, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Russ, and I think there's a little homerism in that pick. Aaron Rodgers, when Aaron Rodgers is on, he might be one of the most exciting. I mean, Russ is, is the most exciting QB, and that isn't a homerism pick. He just is. But Aaron Rodgers is just so freaking good when he is on. And it's just like – it's fun to – it's kind of like going back to that uh, LeBron conversation where it's like I've never been his biggest fan, but just just watching the greatness play out when he plays. Allen was going to be my dark horse pick that – I mean, the Bills look great. Allen is super athletic uh, with his ability to run um, and score in a variety of ways. He's got the weapons mm-hmm. to continue this pace of uh, – 
offense that he's been putting up. Um, I think Mahomes is in there just because the Chiefs look like they're the Super Bowl favorite again. Um, and then an outsider pick, I, I actually like Aaron Jones, uh, the running back for the Packers as well. He's yeah. been part of their offense, but running backs never win MVP. So yeah, <laughs> that's more of a uh, – to throw a, a hitch in the giddy up, I guess, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, well, I think, guys, we're almost out of time here. Uh, we actually might have gone a little bit over. We tend to do that here. Uh, oh, if we, never, if, never. If we ever have an episode that's actually an hour, you know, uh, write home about it because it doesn't ever happen. <laughs> but yeah, that's I, uh, about all the time we have. Um, real quick before we sign off here, uh, Patrick, thanks so much for being on, man. It was awesome yeah, thank to have you. you. This has been, I mean, this made, this has made my quarantine. This has been such an honor and pleasure. And, you know, even though I can't see your guys' faces, I don't know if you're, if the, if the uh, listeners of Expansion Buddies know this, but there are no webcams. So I can't see the beautiful faces (laughs) of Justin and Jared right now. So I just to hear your guys' voices and get a slice of Montana back in my life has just been amazing. And I, I'm so happy for you guys. I think the podcast is amazing. I've listened to almost everyone and I'm in full support of you guys going forward. And again, it's an honor and a pleasure. And I'm very grateful for the chance to get to speak uh, on the podcast. Yeah, man. We loved having you on and uh, real quick, I'm going to give a little plug for you. Patrick started a blog. What was that earlier this year? Fredo's boat ride. Mm. Uh, Tell the people about that a little bit, man. It's where they can find it. Have them check it out. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Fredo's Boat Ride was, uh, I am as much of a sports nerd. I am also a huge pop culture, movies, music, television. And I'm also a big history nerd as well. And so I've got multiple articles where I wrote just kind of about certain historical uh, events in sports, uh, film theory, um, you know, music history as well. I think just off the top of the head, you know, one of my favorite articles I wrote was about conspiracy if the mafia had killed jfk um but i've got other ones like the the hell's angels fight at the rolling stones concert uh, at the altamont which is a very famous uh you know black mark in music's history um and then i have one about you know the history of new york point guards that come out of uh, the point guards that come out of new york and why new york shapes their playing style so it's just a bunch of different quirky stuff that i really enjoy to research and write about um and so if you're interested in like, you know, these goofy areas of topic that may not come up, uh, not that they're original or insightful for, or by any means, but just more, it's just the stuff that I enjoy to talk about and care to explore. And I you know, decided to put pen to paper and write about it. And I um, have enjoyed it a lot. I've kind of taken a little bit of a break because I'm back in school, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So if you enjoy any of that, the things I mentioned, I think you will uh, also enjoy my blog. So thank you very much for putting me on. We might need to do a, a joint crossover somehow. I don't know how that works, <laughs> the blog and a podcast, but <laughs> I don't know if that, actually, I take that back. There's probably not a joint, this is the joint crossover. <laughs> there we, we figure something out, but yeah, uh, check it out guys. Fredo's Boat Ride. Give Patrick a follow on Twitter. It's at Patrick G Star he's a he's a fun one to follow you'll get a lot of insight on a lot of things patrick thanks again for being on uh thank you're you. welcome back literally anytime i will take that invite anytime this has been such a pleasure again so thank you guys so much and i can't i can't believe i i, I stepped up from uh expansion buddies groupie to 11th podcast podcast guest uh 
So, I mean, I'm making strides in this area, I guess. Yeah, very definitely, nice. Very nice. Definitely. Uh, thank you all for listening yet again, for tuning in to another episode of the Expansion Buddies. Remember to check us out on Twitter at the Expansion BU1. That's the number one. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. We publish every Thursday. We're always going to be there for your listening pleasure on a Thursday. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And never forget. Party like it's 1976. <laughs>